Hi, friends. It's Aislinn. And Joe. Welcome to season three at our dinner table. And nothing is off limits at our nope. dinner table. So settle in, mm. grab your favorite beverage. And pull up a chair. Because we have a lot to talk about. What do you do when all of your best intentions and all of your best, not planning, but the way you thought a day was going to go, goes completely wrong at the very beginning? How do you get back on track? Is that even the right way to ask the question? The way that I think about it is like, how do I get back in the frequency that I like that makes me feel good? And sometimes I just never am able to get back in that frequency. Something happened this morning. I don't even really want to get into it, but it has launched my headspace into a completely different place that I thought it was going to be when I woke up this morning. Yeah, the thing about when accidents happen is that it launches everyone's headspace. That's the um, consequences of the actions and decisions and things that we do. And then how do we feel through those particular things? And it's a huge part of what we've been talking about and working through over the recent years of our life. I certainly have. I tend to look for little pops of joy in a desire to get back to a more joyful headspace, right? So I have to process things first yeah. before I can just jump over to joy. Like that because to me that's not real joy. That's just putting a band-aid on something that feels really bad. No, I follow what you mean, but I'll give you an example. Every time I go out the front door onto our porch area there, I don't know why it makes me happy, but you've got a weirdo science experiment going on out there and <laughs> I'd like some I'd like you to help me process what exactly is going on. Well, the first thing I want to do is welcome everyone to the dinner table. Hello. It's actually uh, the brunch table at this point. By the time <laughs> that you hear this, you will have celebrated your Christmas, and we hope that you had the best one you could possibly have had. Yeah, so welcome to the dinner table. Thank you all, as usual, for joining us. Actually, you asked me, what do I do when my day has gone so far off track, if I can even remotely manage to get myself outside and into nature, that's how I shift my vibe. Yeah. That's how I change the frequency of what's happening in my world. But in answer to your question, I saw a post from a woman whom I don't really know, but I know that we're in alignment on a lot of things and that's how we connected. As a matter of fact, I asked last night to the Facebook universe and to the Instagram universe, how did we first meet? And her response actually was, the stars aligned, you know, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, yeah, she's right. Because we agree ab about a lot of things. I can see that occurring in the way that we interact on Facebook. Right. And she made a post a few weeks ago about if anyone had ever considered taking old mushroom blocks, like basically composted mushroom blocks and putting them into their gardens. I'm all about That's mushrooms, mm -hmm. mycelium, composting anything fungus in general trying things out for our own health trying things out for our animals health trying things out for our garden health but all of it having to do with mycelium right and she goes well i've got this idea i came across some people that are getting rid of mushroom blocks that they've used to grow mushrooms for sales purposes okay and they're wanting people to just take them you know and use yeah, them rather than throw them in the dumpster exactly which, thank God that yeah. people are thinking like that. Well, she said, okay, I'm going to make the effort to go up there, collect some, bring them home, and I will bring you some. Right. And she says, you know, they still have spores in them, so it's possible that they could grow again. But I didn't really have any intentions of doing that. I really just wanted to 
even if they grow with their spores out in my soil, that's like that's what perfect. I want. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I've set them on my porch. The first block I actually put into the compost section of the chicken pen because I thought, well, I can't hurt them to be eating mycelium. Right. And for mycelium to begin growing in their beds mm -hmm. more, you know, the mycelium feeds on carbon. Carbon is the mulch. We're already putting the mulch in there. Right. We're already putting the nitrogen fertilizer in if there. If there are mushroom spores out, in that block and you put it in that area. Uh-huh. If something's going to grow, that would be the place for it to happen. The chickens are going to take a little bit off the top as soon as anything's happening. We may not even be able to see it, but the idea that that's reaching down right into the ground. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It's creating the, the mycorrhizal fungi in yeah. the soil. And not only that, but it's putting it into their gut bacteria, right. which actually makes them healthier too. Without a doubt. And their immune systems get boosted by it. You know, all the great things that come along sure. with mycelium. Then the next one, I had gotten a bucket and I put some fertilizer and some stuff. And I've been needing to fertilize my gardens and really put a lot more mulch down for the winter and just kind of continue doing that. And so I had a row already. So I spread that one of the blocks down on the row and then covered it up with carbon. And then these other ones that have been sitting on the porch, I hadn't even like, I'd seen them kind of sprouting a little bit, right. but I didn't expect anything to really happen. A couple days later, you said, I don't know what you're doing out here, what this experiment is, but it's really cool. Yeah. And I walked out that day and looked at it and I was like, oh, wow, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen. Have you ever seen videos where they do the accelerated filming of a mushroom sprouting? Sure. So the course of an overnight, but yes. in 10 seconds? Yes. That's what's happening out here. It is. You walk out there the next day and it's twice as big as it was the day before. Yeah. And look, look, I feel better already talking about it. See? So yeah, yes. it might be a band-aid, <laughs> but the little joys around this place. We There's a difference between ignoring and putting a band-aid on and truly raising your frequency. Those little pops of joy. They're everywhere out here. Yeah. Yeah. So the mushrooms, I took a little um, Google Lens. That's what I use for my plant identification and insect identification. Google which, Lens? Yes. Don't just go out and use Google Lens and look at a berry and then eat it or a mushroom and then eat it. You might be very, very dissatisfied with your outcome. Right. <laughs> These, however, is, is saying that they are oyster mushrooms. Which makes a lot of sense because those tend to be the mushrooms that are sold at the farmer's market. Exactly. They're easy to grow, it yes. looks like. And it what I was expecting, because what she had said when she gave them to me, and she may not have even known necessarily, was that they were lion's mane and reiki. Mm -hmm. And so I was expecting them to be medicinal mushrooms, which I don't really know a whole lot about processing medicinal mushrooms. We definitely know how to use oyster mushrooms. We've bought yeah. and used oyster mushrooms from other people yeah. in the farmer's market before. So what I want to do now when I get some time is to watch some YouTube videos about people growing and harvesting oyster mushrooms. How do we harvest them? When do we harvest them? And you begin. You and what do you do with them after you harvest them to clean them and make them prepared for actually consumption? So safe consumption. The gift of these mushroom blocks. Mm -hmm. You're thinking about maybe growing some oyster mushrooms on a consistent basis. Uh, I don't know about that. What I'm thinking about is that this. I had an experiment offered to me unknowingly, and I am a hands in the dirt learning kind of girl. And I'm excited to have this experiment to play with. And then if at the end of the day, I discover, well, gosh, you know, after doing that, we really liked that. It wasn't really that hard. Let me see if there's a way that I can do this on a more, you know, intentional way to service our desires for mushrooms in our house. Well, we've talked about being busy. And of course, a function of that today, right now, is the Christmas holiday. It's the season for celebrating consumption and busyness. Well, guess what we did one year ago? What? 
One year ago today. Time What are we doing here? What are we doing here? Honestly, last season I felt, based on how the pandemic unfolded and all of that, was actually very well done. Because if I'm going to do the holiday and a bit of consumption and celebrations, I like more of a flowing, easygoing, we're not overdoing it. We're not trying to put ourselves in spaces that don't really work, don't fit, Mm -hmm. you know, that kind of thing. Because since last week's episode, I have not cooked one time and we can run through the whole thing. You went out of town for a girl's weekend with your mom and our daughters. But then the following Tuesday was the 10th anniversary of one of our favorite restaurants owned by some of our favorite people. And they were going to have opera in addition to their amazing food. And we're like, we definitely got to go do that. Absolutely. For so many reasons. Absolutely. Then the next day, we went to go see The Matrix. Yes. Uh, in opening night. Went yes. to dinner after that. Bang, 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 bang. And the truth one of thing the matter is, another. in the fairness of the busyness, those two specific things that you named are the things I want to do. Sure. You know what I mean? But they're so what are the things that everyone wants to do? Yeah. And this is a thing that someone else wants to do. And this is a thing that someone else to do. And when you jam all those things in, because we're trying to get them all done, because everybody wants to get what they want from mm-hmm. the time period, you get into this busyness that isn't necessarily about what anybody wants. So let's go back to what you were talking about. Mm-hmm. It was a weekend, I guess, you and the girls dedicated to getting some last-minute shopping done. There were a lot of visits to malls and places where everyone's gathering I'm to do this thing. we went to every outdoor mall that exists in San Antonio. And that's a big bunch of area to cover. Right. While you were doing that, I was finishing up and have been finishing up our Christmas shopping here in town. So I find myself at our mall and our big shopping center where everyone is going right now, mm-hmm. I'm just finding I, I, I don't want anything to do with it. I used to say, you know, we can't go online for all of our Christmas shopping because the local stores need our help. I, I, I think I'm clearly adjusting away from that. I just want to like pick a day where you and I get in front of the computer next year for Christmas shopping, get it all done online and be finished. <laughs> I, d- I definitely still like supporting the, the no, local of course, businesses of course, and everything yeah. like that. And I think that that's a different way of doing it. But anyways, we're up there and it's just this like pressure and tension. And somehow I think that maybe we took it on ourselves a little bit, like that, that the pressure and tension was coming from within the group. But I also think that we're just not being so aware of the pressure and tension that is occurring in everybody that walks by us, every single store we go in and out of every experience we're interacting with is an opportunity to kind of feel out how someone feels about what's going on in the universe Mm -hmm. right now. And there's a lot of pressure because people waited till the last minute to watch if prices would change. People didn't go to Black Friday because they didn't want to be in the crazy crowds. The restaurants and the stores absolutely do not have the amount of staff that they need to manage that amount of people. Not only do they not have the amount of staff to do it, they don't have enough trained staff to do it because the trained people have basically decided they're not going to work for those people anymore because they're not getting paid well enough for the amount of experience that they have. So you've got a bunch of kids basically, that are all waiting on tables and that are all running cash registers. I mean, kids, like kids are kids. And the kids that are there, it's still understaffed. Sure. While each of these places is pretending like it was exactly the way that it was pre-pandemic. Yep. And while shoppers, restaurant goers, Mm -hmm. not everyone, but most of them probably, it feels like, are 
going into this obligation because that's the way we've always done it. Exactly. Or, or because we're fearful that we won't get to go back to how we used to do it or that we're judging how someone else is doing it while we're out. That was the thing that I would say about the weekend that was really good for me was to be able to say that in the midst of what's going on with this amount of pressure to be pressed back into a suit that doesn't fit anyone anymore, there are still people that are living their life as free as they possibly can be with a spark of kindness and love and appreciation for the other people that are doing that as well. And I saw it in a young man checking me out who had his Aggie ring on, who's the same age as our boys. The moment that he took to smile and laugh and and talk to me about how maybe he knows my son at college because mm-hmm. they go to the same university in their same department and and then he hands me my bag and gives me the most beautiful smile and says have a blessed day and the woman that walked up to me at this you know crazy store and says I love your hat and then we start talking about thrift store clothes because I'm kind of blown away by the fact that, in my opinion, every store we went into looked like they were trying to sell you what people are buying at the thrift store, which to me, that in itself is such a, a weird hypocrisy. We're going to take the style from the thrifting vintage store, and we're going to bring it back and create it new again, and then sell it to you as if you went to the thrift store to buy it. I but think she was th- she- thrifting is on such the rise that that's the only way that they're going to be able to compete with it. We'll give you a thrifting experience, but it's quintuple the price. Yeah, quintuple the price. Mm -hmm. We're standing there talking, having a polite conversation. And there's a woman right in front of us, just walked in the door. She looks down at this pile of clothes. She reaches down. She grabs the sweater up. Because I'm kind of like in my peripheral watching this woman who I don't realize is about to interact with us at all. But she looks up at the clerk and says, do you have this in a small? And the lady just kind of goes, yes, ma'am, hold on just a second. And I said, hey, I looked back at her. I said, hey, it was so nice to have just an easy going chat with you. I hope you have a really blessed day. Happy holidays. Mm. To say, like, stop the aggressive anger. And I I was probably doing it in other spaces, too, where I'm just like, could we just get through the line here? You know, I mean, could everybody just stop honking in the parking lot? Can we, you know, just this that just doesn't feel good anymore, yet we're still trying to push ourselves into it as if it still exists the way it used to. That is the thing. I don't understand because I left the parking lot of the shopping center Mm -hmm. when I started to feel like, God, this is too many. Does it feel like pressure? What does it feel like to you? That's a more difficult question to answer than just say, I don't like this. I don't want to be in it anymore. And then I leave the parking lot. I would say that's certainly the first step to saying something doesn't feel good. I don't like it. (laughs) Because I'm two occurrences away from being the honking person and I don't want to be the honking person. I mean, it's exactly as you say, us putting this suit on Mm -hmm. because it's the suit that we know The and we way were that we've afraid that we would never now. get to put the suit back on again when we were told, take the suit off and go home. But, <laughs> like, but then getting the suit on, and in this case, being back in these shopping experiences that are 100% obligation because of the coding of what Christmas is supposed to be, the holidays are supposed to be, mm-hmm. the gifting requirement, the this is going to be the year where we're finally going to get back the, the family together if we have taken a break. Mm-hmm. We never have. But mm-hmm. if we have taken a break, this is the year where we can 
shoving ourselves like play-doh through those squares and yep. shapes to yep. make the shape yep but what a painful transformation it must be for the play-doh to go from the form that it is normally in through that machine many many people would call that trying to put a square peg in a round hole exactly i kind of feel like that i've always felt like that but now i'm of a mindset to be one of the voices that says to other people you need to tell people what you want or don't want anymore because if we don't say we don't want this anymore and we're not going to do this anymore, then we keep falling into that obligatory, okay, we're doing it because we feel like it's what we're supposed to do during the season that mm -hmm. we're in. I wrote this story, this really great story about the suit that doesn't fit anymore. Yeah, It's an interesting concept in that we're going to get to a point where the suit's going to just fall apart all around us. And then if we're not prepared by intentionally creating what we want when the suit falls apart all around us, we're left really disappointed and really kind of naked if we believe that the suit was ever anything that actually covered us. I would imagine if we believe that it's the only suit available or if you're being paid to wear a certain kind of suit, mm -hmm. that there's all kinds of ways that you can get into a situation where you don't like what's going on, mm -hmm. but you just go along with it or you mm -hmm. just do it because that's the way we've always done it. Or because in the past, it felt good to That's you. That's a good point. If it felt good to you in the past, you keep trying to go back to it, thinking you're going to get what you felt in the past again. We don't fit in the suit anymore. We're bigger than the suit. Our concepts, our ideas, what we created when we were at home with no suit on is much bigger than what we're trying to fit ourselves into now that we're back trying to put the suit back on again. Over the course of the next few days, all of our kids will be coming and going. But your son popped in last night just for a little while. And everything in my world stops on oh, yeah. a Cortland uh, yes, dime. Yes, we were supposed to record the episode <laughs> and then Cortland showed up and it's like, well, we won't be recording the episode tonight. Because Cortland talks and he will talk well, and talk Well, he for us got and... going and going. Yes. I think he was only intending on staying for a few minutes, but yes. he stayed for a very long time while uh -huh. we were asking about his new uh, internship that's going to be beginning. Yeah, he's moving to Houston in January and he's spending a semester there and then he'll come back, finish up College Station, get his uh, diploma with a master's, master's and, CPA, and all that. head off to his life that he is clearly a little bit afraid of i can tell well i told him this is your first long-term stay in a extremely urban place mm -hmm. are you looking forward to that yes i said hey by the way what's the dress code where you're working because mm -hmm. he's downtown houston i mm -hmm. i did that mm -hmm. i remember i don't really know i guess i'll figure it out when i get there i said do you have dressier clothes because God, these college kids don't have an occasion sure. they own those any right. longer he's like, he goes well I was thinking I could wear the slacks that I wore to prom, <laughs> but they just don't fit anymore. Right. And that's exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Of course, in your first job, you don't wear the clothes you wore to your high school prom. Right. But we do because we know those pants, uh -huh. because we own those pants. Because we because don't... it's easier to put the pants on that we were wearing before than to go try to find a new pair of pants mm -hmm. because what they to did... create a new set of pants because... that actually fit. But they just don't fit. So how many people are walking into the holidays, through the holidays? Literally going, I will never do that again. I don't like this. Yeah. Why am I doing it? Yeah. I don't like that food. Why and, are, and why are you your... requiring us to eat this? I don't like the amount of money that we spend on gifts, too much, too little, mm -hmm. whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Why are we doing it this way? Mm -hmm. It doesn't fit anymore. It doesn't fit anymore. That's the reason why my voice 
in the social media world has shifted some in a way that I'm saying it's time for you to speak up about what you want and what you don't want. You don't have to be ugly about it. And you have to understand that other people are going to want different things than you want. Even people that are in your space with you in the same room with you on a daily basis may not want what you want. But if you don't say what you want, then you're going to get shoved back into a suit that doesn't fit anymore. And one of the things I've learned about being an outsider, an outlier, is that I'm always looking for another outsider, an outlier, because it helps to have at least one person that says, hey, man, go ahead. I'm here for you. If you need some support, I'm reaching my hand down to lift you up out of whatever mm -hmm. you're dealing with over there. But more importantly than that, there are other people that have the same opinion that you do. And if you don't voice that, then you won't know that. And so because I've been voicing my opinion for long enough to be not really scared of what other people think about me voicing my opinion anymore. Yeah. I'm giving other people some confidence to voice their opinion. And when more people start voicing their opinion, we change the world. Let me tell you how awesome my life is. In this busy Christmas week, with the food that I'm going to have to make for Christmas Day, mm -hmm. which I'm excited to do, don't mm -hmm. get me wrong. Yeah. That leg of the suit, I'm going to keep on. I love the leg of suit where we make delicious meals and sit down to a dinner together. I'm That's sure like we'll talk about that next week. my favorite part of life. I'm sure we'll talk about that next week, what we ended up making, contributing to Christmas. On the Freedom Harvest Farms chat, your mom texts yesterday, I bought some quail at the meat market today. I'm going to cook it tonight. Photographs. Let me know if you want to eat any of it. Mm -hmm. um, yes. <laughs> <duh>. <laughs> Which I think is just her nice way of saying... Dinner's going to be ready, you know? Uh-huh. Quail. I love quail. Potatoes. My dad makes delicious potatoes. Your greens prepared. You need to start making my greens the way my mom made those last Dude, night. Dude, the way that your mom made those greens last night, I think Savannah might even eat two bites of them, you know? <laughs> they were fantastic. They were really good. Because she asked mm -hmm. me, she goes, do you have any vegetables that we can add to this? Your dad's going to make some potatoes. And I was like, I honestly, I don't. Ta harvesting greens is something I do in the morning. I mean, that's one of the things I had to get done today before we could even record the podcast is I got to go out there and get my salad greens and things like that for Christmas Day. So Spoiler alert. Well, I say that because it's a, one of those educational moments in that harvest your greens in the morning or mm. don't harvest them at all is how I feel about it. Those greens were harvested already because she had made the... Toscana soup that she makes, which by the way, I don't know if we've talked about that, but that soup was fantastic. Like some of the best tasting soup I've eaten in a very long time. It was very good. So she had some extras from that. And what those greens were was brassica greens. What brassica greens are would be like your cauliflower, the greens. So this is another little point of education, which is don't just grow a cauliflower for six months to get one head of cauliflower off of the middle of it. Trim the leaves off of it and use those. They have a beautiful kind of brassica broccoli flavor taste to them, cauliflower flavor. You know what that is. So I trim those leaves off the cauliflower. I trim the leaves off the broccoli. I trim the leaves from the Brussels sprouts. Kale, of course. And the recipe that she was asking for for the Toscana soup calls for kale. But kale is a brassica green just like any of the other brassica greens. And they're all in the same family and they have the same similar flavor. She braised them with some bacon and some onion, and she told me she had some extras. She said, what do I do with them? Well, what we would do would be bacon and garlic. And she found a recipe and did it, and the way she did it is the way that we should be doing it on a regular basis. And you've got plenty of really greens really coming good. out? Yeah, plenty. So I can make this between now and next episode? 
Yeah. Her absolutely. recipe? Absolutely. It mm. all good, came good, good. together. What a meal. I was sitting there sipping my Irish coffee because for some reason I'm obsessed with Irish coffees this season. <laughs> Beautiful evenings. We've got Christmas Eve with your brother tonight. Christmas Day tomorrow. I, I, I'm, I'm enjoying it. Oh my God. Did you see my picture of the butterflies from yes. the garden? Yeah, in the video. Okay. If you don't know what heaven on earth looks like, you need to see this video because magically in December, we have sunflowers popping open, which means that we still have a lot of butterflies. They actually think it's spring over here. They're going to be really sad when it gets super duper cold again in one little snap, or mm-hmm. maybe we have a freeze, or maybe but we have right whatever. Now, they think it's spring. Yeah. All the flowers are popping. All the butterflies are making babies. All the caterpillars are crawling again. I looked up, and this is one of the things that I learned from my friend Jennifer years ago at the Learning Garden. I looked up, and there were like 10 monarch butterflies all above my head on this amazing sunflower and then all these tiny other little butterflies and all these little cool moth things, all this amazing stuff was just everywhere. Surrounding you. And I stopped and I took a video so that people could see it. But as I moved around in the background behind this sunflower bush with these 10 or so monarchs was the most amazing clear blue sky with the perfect sun in the perfect position and the clouds just perfectly aligned And I thought, my God, how much more heaven-like could earth get than this exact moment right now? Mm -hmm. This is a special moment. This is what some people would call fifth dimensional. Like we're seeing heaven on earth right now. It is here available for you anytime you want to see it. I just was so excited about it. I have been trying to share it with everyone because I want people to get to have this feeling, this experience that I had. And then when Tommy was here yesterday. Tommy is my apprentice. Mm -hmm. We were in another part of the garden with some different flowers, and I have the most amazing flowers popping. I'm telling you guys, it's like it's spring out here. I have these candy cane zinnias and just all these cool flowers, purple and fuchsia and all these colorful flowers popping everywhere. And the same thing was happening, but this time there were even more butterflies. And I go, Tommy, whatever you're doing, stop right now and look up and let's just enjoy this moment. Because my friend Jennifer taught me that. And I probably would have never looked up. I would have just kept hoeing away at the garden and working so hard. Yeah, you've got that tunnel vision on whatever the task was at Mm -hmm. the moment and not taking the time to stay in constant awareness of the 360 around you. Yeah, and just understanding that the garden is so much more than a space of production. It is a sanctuary. Unanswered questions. Last week's episode was very difficult to edit. I don't know if anybody noticed, but, and you might not have noticed because you did such a good job of editing, but by the time we got to the end of that conversation, we were in a full-blown fight. And then I was on my way out of town, so there wasn't anything else we could do about it. And then not only that, but I was in such a busy place with so many other people that I couldn't listen to the podcast that you'd been editing that was going to go out on Monday without me having listened to it. It was difficult to edit. Uh Uh-huh. There was one unanswered question, because at the end, we'd come to the conclusion in the place that it's time to do some work. Mm Mm-hmm individually, mm-hmm. together. And everyone, the whole planet. <laughs> you asked or I asked, how do you do the work? Or maybe you referenced that in the past, I have asked you, well, how do you do it? I want to do it. How do you do it? Mm-hmm. Well, first of all, I think that one of the things that I was always turned off for years when someone would say, do the work, or someone would say, you can think about it, talk about it, but until you do the work, it's not going to really change anything. 
And for me, that was always frustrating because I always felt like it was like some kind of a riddle. But then I began to understand that it's about internal work. It's different than labor. Like I got to do the labor. No, there's other types of work that needs to happen. There's only one way that yard's going to get mowed. I have to go do the work. Okay, that's fine. If you use that as an example, it's very hard for people to understand right. that a hardworking man isn't doing the work. Just because he mows the lawn doesn't mean that he's doing the work of the internal things that are actually going to get his wife to understand that the lawn mowing is his way of sorting through the pain that he deals with in a quiet, monotone way. The work would be being able to tap into that and being willing to speak about that feeling that you have or finding a way to understand why you need to do the things the way you do it. Just screaming at someone to do the work, work harder, work harder doesn't necessarily mean that you're doing the work that's actually going to get you anywhere. True. And I think that in my opinion, that's kind of what happened with the pandemic on a larger more universal way, which is, all right, if you aren't going to do the work, then we're going to shut you down. And now you have to do the work. And did people do any of the work? I think they did. I think that's part of the reason why the suit doesn't fit anymore is because people did a lot of work and now they're going, but wait, the system hasn't changed. So we're still supposed to just go right back to where we were before, but we've done all this work. So we're so much bigger now. We have such a larger vision of what we maybe desire. And then you've got other people who have no vision of what they desire and they, they believe that it's okay to go on with no vision, but you've got all these people that don't really fit into that non-vision world anymore mm -hmm. because so many people did the work, unknowingly did the work as sometimes. I, as I was editing last week, so I was all by myself trying to put this podcast together that was the most intensely personal one we've ever created together mm -hmm. with the content, mm -hmm. the conversations we were having, the gravity of those conversations mm -hmm. presented in a way that is entertaining, right? Yep. Honest, removing things that feel like a sharp edge that isn't quite right mm -hmm. within the context of the entire conversation. And that whole time I was thinking to myself, I know that there will be people that listen to this that will be able to not share the exact same things that maybe we were talking about that were very personal to you and I, mm -hmm. but in my relationship or relationships, and it may not be a romantic relationship, it could be a work relationship or a parental relationship or a whatever, I'm feeling the exact same thing. I want to be here, but the way that I'm doing it or the way that someone else might be doing it or the way we're doing it together is an ill-fitted suit. Mm-hmm. But we don't want to take that suit off because we love the suit and we appreciate the suit. Or and we don't know where a replacement suit, suit is. Or exactly. we don't know. Exactly. We don't know. We don't know. So when you say, how do I do the work? And your answer was, I don't know. I think I, I know more now after a week than I did. And I know this is the same thing I said last time. I can go from one end of the week to the other end of the week. That's how fast creative expansion is occurring. We talked about that a few weeks ago. Creative expansion is occurring so fast that I can go from not knowing something to all of a sudden going, no, that doesn't mean I know it all. Right. It doesn't mean that I completely understand what I know yet. Or that you have an obligation to know it all immediately. No, absolutely the, not. The, the journey absolutely can't work not. that way. That's just going to be a constant place of frustration. The journey can work that sure. way, but it doesn't always work that way Understood. for everyone. Okay. Yeah, good and point. certainly based on where you are, this is kind of the conversation that I was having just with Tommy the other day about 
you know, diet. And I'm not a dieter, but I have lived a lifestyle diet very different than most of the country for a solid two decades. Mm -hmm. So when someone asks me, what do I do? The first step is going to be very, very far from what I'm doing today. So don't try to be like me. Sure. You know, and that's kind of the same way I feel about unpacking trauma because I've been unpacking trauma for 30 years. Here's the thing though, and this is when you go back to the intention part that we were talking about last week. We went through a very, very important moment in time, the solstice, Mm -hmm. which is about rebirth. It is about the end of the past year and the beginning of the new year. The season's about to change again, and we're going to go back the other direction with getting more life. And what happens with that is that we see rebirth. And when you go through that phase of the stars and that phase of life on earth and all of the things that are occurring in the natural world, you begin to understand that the things that we're saying and doing are going to create things in the future, in the new year. But are we doing it unconsciously or are we doing it consciously? Or is it being done to us in a way because the rest of the consciousness is shifting around me? The rest of consciousness is going to shift around you and you don't have a choice anymore. Right. You can stay in the suit that doesn't fit anymore, but what happens when the suit just falls apart? Because that's what the rest of... It is just that outdated. It is just that... But that's what the rest of consciousness created when they were moving forward. Mm -hmm. And creation occurs in collectiveness, tipping points, massive thoughts and ideas that start to come together and then... What happens is, is that you stayed there unwilling to create the next suit or no suit or whatever you wanted to create. You were unwilling to do it. Now you're completely unprepared for what you're feeling around you. And then people start screaming at you because they're unaware of the way that they're putting themselves out there. Why aren't you doing the work? Why aren't you doing the work? Why aren't you doing the work? So as you alluded to last week, your style in suggesting to me that I do some work. Mm-hmm. I think you said something like, well, it wasn't the best way for Joe to hear. You know, it was no. time too smart. But I'm uncomfortable in that old suit you're wearing. And so we're in the same space together. a wonderful, please never stop it, practice of sending me resources, videos, sure. something that speaks to you that might speak to me, something that doesn't quite speak to you, but has me all over, you know, whatever, mm-hmm. videos. So when we used terms last week like codependent. Mm-hmm. Fairy tale. Mm-hmm. Those are words we all know, but they were spoken in a way by a person in a series of video, a video that you sent me. And then I deep dove into this person's videos and she just put a book out called Do the Work, right? Yeah. So Nicole Lapara, also known as the holistic psychologist. And her method of doing the work, which has really worked for me, is about A, understanding that you want to change. Mm-hmm. But not even maybe even understanding exactly how or or, mm-hmm. or or where you're going or, you know, but understanding that you want to change something about you. Mm-hmm. Trying to stay in consciousness of that at all times. Now, she, her thing, we, I, we can't get into the whole thing, but her thing is about breathing, like intentional mm-hmm. breathing. She's trying to get you to be present in the moment. Correct. And that's, of course, one of the things that we've talked about I have struggled with my entire life mm-hmm. is being present in the moment. 
but then making small goals, small goals for yourself. Like you said earlier, you're not going to go do Aislinn's form of eating mm-hmm. on day one. That would be, you would get so frustrated and so confused and so impossible because mm-hmm. it's so different than what you were doing. I think people try to do that. That's and that's the reason why diets fail. That's how I do it. That's how I do it. All right, all right starting, here, here it comes, right? New Year's Eve. Here comes mm-hmm. resolutions. Here comes gym memberships. Here comes starting tomorrow, I'm going to do everything correctly. No, you're mm-hmm. not. Right. So a small thing, mm-hmm. make a promise to yourself to do that small thing mm-hmm. that one day. Mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you what my three that I've landed on that I'm focusing on every single day. The term that I always use for people and try to help them understand what I'm saying, one bite of the elephant at a time. Right. Mm-hmm. We never had an elephant on the show. but <laughs> Okay, we mentioned a couple of these last week. The feeling that I have with you often but with everybody when I think about it, that I am being judged. Mm -hmm. I'm going to make up a stupid example that isn't real. But you might say to me, hey, the Christmas tree looks crooked. It looks like it needs to be water right This did not happen. (laughs) And me taking that on as more than just a fact that you're stating, Mm -hmm. not doing that anymore. And it is hard. It's a hard one for me too. All three of these things are hard that I'm going to list because they are so deeply imprinted and coded into me Mm -hmm. and it's the suit that I know. Mm -hmm. Number two, the performance thing. Mm -hmm. Performing for who? But always performing. Mm -hmm. You cannot be authentic in that state. Mm -hmm. But why do you perform? To me, I assume that's what you you got into with her is that she begins to say that unpacking Mm -hmm. why you continue to hold on to Mm -hmm. these habits I told uh, Tommy yesterday, it's funny because Tommy and I spent the entire day yesterday talking and gardening. It was a really good garden healing. We're doing weekly garden healing together, Tommy and I are. And I told her the story about when Debbie Lindsay Opal, my speech coach for my TEDx talk, was trying to help me with writing my speech. And this is a woman who I I trust very much when it comes to speech writing and speech presenting. I followed her forever as a leader in that. So I trust her opinion and I go in and she's like... Why do you have such a hard time giving a short speech? And I said, "There's." We already talked about this. It's because I'm a philosopher, and I've decided that I'm going to lean into that more than I ever have before. Like that's what I am, and it's very hard to jam me into seven minutes, right? But I can do it, and I can learn. I can memorize. I can do that, but I get distracted. Yeah. And she goes, "Okay, well, let think about this." And when she said this, it made me realize she speaks the language that I am working through in life. What she said was. What caused you to feel as though you needed to be a distracted person? Why did you need to distract? What were you distracting from? And how much longer are you going to hold on to that? Do you still need to be distracted because at age six, yada, yada, yada was happening in your life? It's time to let it go. Have you grown past that? Have you matured beyond that? And when she said that, that was really, that really stuck with me and I think about that all the time when I realize that I feel judged or I need to put on a performance, but why? Because I can't let it go if I'm still in need of it. And if you don't know why you're holding on to it, then you don't know if you still need it or not. That's doing the work, not just recognizing it. That's Mm -hmm. the first step. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm at the first steps. First step. Do you want to hear the third one? (laughs) Yes. Remembering at all times throughout the course of the day that there is not one person I'm in contact with whose responsibility it is to emotionally fulfill me. 
Mm-hmm. That is 100% my own responsibility. Mm-hmm. Gets, yeah. into, gets into the codependent stuff. Mm-hmm. That's, one, that's a huge one for me too. Let's talk about us. It is not your responsibility to emotionally fulfill me. When you begin to realize that, that it's no one else's responsibility to fulfill you emotionally, mm-hmm. if you don't go in and figure out why you're still feeling emotionally depleted, then you just go find something else to fill that hole. The great thing I will tell you is that because we were all as an entire planet pushed to do some work, when we all begin letting go of things and we begin to lighten our load of this density that is holding us down to old karmic chains and bonds, we can all much easier lighten our loads. It's easier for you to lighten your load the more I lighten my load. We work that way energetically. And because we're all doing it, a lot of what's happening with this pressing us back into the old suit, we all don't fit there anymore. And that when we're all trying to go back to where we don't fit anymore, we all feel bad. We all feel pressure. We all feel tension. You know, the young waiter or the young cashier is scared that you're about to flip out on them. Yeah. And they're like, I'm just here to make some money so I can buy my mom a Christmas present, man. I'm a college student and I'm, you know, yada, yada, yada. We we all feel that pressure. And the interesting thing about it is is that it comes in heart pains and stomach aches and headaches that won't go away. And guess what? We're all so aware of the physical feeling that we've been taught is an illness. A pressure. Like like for me, it's a... you're talking about physical manifestations. Yes. But, but for me, it's like, um, and I felt this way all morning. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The only thing I can come up with is like, remember when you dive down to the bottom of the deep end mm-hmm. before you were old enough to understand physical pressure? pressure? Mm-hmm. That's what it feels like to yes. me. It's not a headache. It's yes. not, it's not, it's typically none of that. Yes. But, but what happens is, and I've been hearing it a lot. People are saying, I don't understand if my allergies are upsetting me. I can't figure out why I feel so tired, so much pressure. My head hurts so bad. I feel this pressure in my jaw. I'm watching this occur online where I'm seeing people say, I feel physically ill. Well, now we've given people permission to say, oh, well, I've got the Omicron. I've got the flu. I've got the da-da-da. I've got the blah-blah-blah. And I'll tell you that one of the things that happened with me was I learned that if I could manifest illness, then I could take a break. You're allowed to take a break if you're sick. In today's world, you are allowed to take a break if you're sick Mm -hmm. because you're not supposed to come to work sick anymore because you make a lot of people, like a whole city of people, an entire football team of people sick if you show up sick. So if you say you're sick, you go home. So you're manifesting illness to get the break you're, that you just you're need to take on You're turning energetic pressure of life yeah. into an actual physical illness. I've been doing it my whole life. But don't you feel like that's where most people are right now? Yes. And so that's why when we come to the dinner table like this, and have these conversations with our guests that are listening, you listening right now. Chances are you do. If I do, and Aislinn does, then you may. We got to do some work. We got to do some we work. We got to do some work. I'll tell you one of the things that has shifted very much for me since the podcast episode last week, mm-hmm. since I went to San Antonio, mm-hmm. is that I have begun to lean in 
to something that somehow or another I never really leaned into. And it has to do with this concept of me being so preachy and just so this idea of me saying when I went to college, well, what do you want to do? And me saying, well, I just want to talk to people. This idea that I want to be a hobo. I want to go for walks. I just want to walk and walk and walk. And, you know, on the road by Jack Kerouac, I just want to be able to experience and travel and see the world. I am by nature a philosopher. That's what I am. And in our world, in the modern day era, especially for a woman... There's not much room for No, no. I mean, the very thing that I began gardening, now I begin to understand it's because I just wanted to be able to think. I just wanted to be able to think about my ideas and have permission to have quiet time to think. And now I'm like, oh, that's exactly what I've been trying to do. I believe that God, the universe, the source, the one, whatever you want to call it, speaks to you in any way you will listen. And the better you get at hearing the messages, the quicker you are to receive them. I picked up a book, read the jacket of it, bought it immediately Mm -hmm. called Socrates Express. And it's studying philosophers in modern day. I even looked at the copyright date, 2020. He was, I mean, there are things about the pandemic in there. There are things about the illnesses that we've been dealing with. There are things about that. And he's going through the way that Rousseau walked, the way that Thoreau saw, the way that Marcus Aurelius woke up, living life based on some of the things that we can glean from the philosophers that have existed on this planet. So what that has done is it's taken me into this space where I've begun, and I've always journaled. I have journals upon journals upon journals. You're good at it. This time, somehow, I had convinced myself... From a consistency point of view, you're good at it. That's what I meant. Sure. I don't read your journals. Yeah, sure. One of the things that was always really, really good for me before social media and the internet and the way that we are online occurred was that I read and read and read. And not like a whole lot of fiction stuff. Like you read fiction. Yeah, I, I prefer fiction. I have read so many nonfiction books. I made a post the other day like, what's the life-changing book? Name a life-changing book. And all but like two of them I've read and the two that were listed, I'm like, I got to read those immediately. (laughs) You know, if those are life-changing books for you, I have got to read those books. And I love to sit in places where there is human life that doesn't have to touch me or be in my space, but I can be there in the energy and the excitement and the experience of people and watching and all of these types of things with a book in my hand. Right, right. That's very much a philosopher, someone that sits back and watches people. And then all of a sudden, when they decide to talk, it's just like a a fire hose. And don't interrupt me. And then I've got 12 questions for you. And we better follow up that 12 more questions. And one of the ways that I've learned to begin doing the work in the last week based on picking up this book And deciding that I'm going to spend more time reading, sitting with friends, talking to them person to person, sitting in coffee shops, is writing when an idea comes to my mind. And one of the things that, I think I said this at the beginning of the podcast, I have learned that I come to the podcast to practice my ideas. Yeah. And you get frustrated by that. Because you have to edit it and because you want to, you got to go back to work where you have, you have two hours to record this podcast and we've been talking for an hour and 40 minutes and we're not even done. Well, with the, the frustration blah, blah, blah. is, and it, maybe it's time to rethink some of it, is that we know we want the episodes to be around 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. You will get wound up. Mm-hmm. 
like seven minute speech thing that you talked mm-hmm, about. Mm-hmm, you kind exactly. of know what you want to say, but in the middle of it here, not when they're going to kick you off stage if you go past seven minutes. Right. That's a prime motivator to keeping your speech short. Right. But here... And my speeches never go well when we they're in that go, situation. <laughs> oh, by the way, uh, Crystal brought us a big bag of eggshells and I have been putting them into the chicken's food so that they can get a calcium. And let's talk about that for five minutes because we're, f- we're just doing a podcast. It's all, right. you know, whatever. Right. we'll do that. 40 times uh-huh. in the course of a potential 45 minute episode and uh-huh. you've got an hour and 30 minutes right, right. on your hands. And that is a frustrating thing because then you get frustrated because it's taking me so long to edit it. It wouldn't take me so long to edit it if you'd come to the table with concise ideas, but I'm a philosophizer. I just have them concise right now. I'm going to practice. Well, then aren't we just in a spiral of hell <laughs> yes. for this thing that we love to do? <laughs> And in addition to that, it's a place where I can begin to work out. <laughs> Quit <these> judging ideas. <laughs> me. <laughs> and in that same space, I can begin to work out these ideas because I'm a journal writer yeah. and I'm going to get up in the morning and it may not happen. Because the thing about me is I don't do anything religiously. As I told your friend the other day, I, I don't even brush my teeth religiously. And he probably thought that was weird. And I don't, honestly, I don't give a flying f-. See, that's the difference between me and other people in judgment. And maybe with you and I, I feel judged and then therefore I feel like I have to do something about it because we live together. But for the rest of the planet, I'm like, yeah, I definitely feel judged, but honestly, I don't give a fuck what you think. So I'm just going to go ahead and say it anyways, because what ends up happening with the podcast is that's how we come up with a lot of the dinner table talks. It's things that I've been working out. Mm-hmm. Well, now what well, I've conversations doing, that we have had yes. at the dinner table prior, yes, yeah, right. over the course of the week. Exactly. I mean, that, that, but that's where we work it out. Right. We work it out at the dinner table. We work it out as we get come to the dinner table and then we want to share it with people. I bring things to you. I want to share this with you that I've been working out. So I sat down the other day. Of course, I wrote the suit story. But then in addition to that, I wrote something about the word because the word has become this massive thing that I am being spoken to about. I am the word. You'll hear me saying it. You'll see me posting things about it. I am the word is a book I'm reading by Paul Selig that was introduced to me by my friend Irene. So I wrote what Joe is referring to as a poem about what the word means to me. And it came out so automatically. And I cannot wait to put that together and be able to put it out as content for folks. However, what it's doing for me is the work. It's helping me do the work. It's giving me a the place journaling, the writing, to fill the... that hole inside of me that you were speaking about. There's this feeling I have inside of me and someone else is supposed to feel it, fill it in my codependent relationships. No, no, I'm going to fill that hole. And how am I going to fill that hole? By reading more philosophy, by holding a book in my hand, by having more one-to-one conversations with people other than you, you know, by Mm -hmm. all of the things that I'm going to do by writing in my journal and allowing myself to really work on some of these concepts that I've been thinking about and not being afraid. See, this is one of my things that I'm trying to let go of, that I'm not intellectual enough to be a philosopher, that I'm not intellectual enough to be an author. Which is some kind of bullshit coding that you receive somewhere along the way that, to convince you of something that just yes, isn't true. Absolutely. It's so it's it's exactly the Someone same thing about what I said about math. And that I was taught that yeah. I couldn't do math when right. I was young, which is crazy because I do math every single day, all the time. I'm a pro I am the queen of problem solving. I'm so good at it. Because then it leads me into this and this is what was at the beginning of that book that really got me there. Knowledge versus wisdom. 
And that's a whole other thing that, you know, I can work on and I can ride on and whatever. But one of the things that I was called during my mayoral campaign and that I have repeatedly been called when I started Grow Local, all the, 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 all the things I've done in life, I am a visionary. What does that mean? Because people say those words, but they don't actually know what that means. What is a visionary? They take a general concept and apply the one word that kind of makes sense to them to apply it to, but they're not giving any thought to what they're actually saying. Mm-hmm. And that takes it back into a word's meaning based on what the definition of the dictionary tells you isn't necessarily the way we're using that word in today's society. So intellect versus wisdom you know, gets into all kinds of things. So it's fun. It's doing the work and I'm beginning doing the work my way. Word. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Let's bring this episode home with our random question of the week. Okay. I like this one. If you never had to eat one vegetable again, which would it be? I went to eat Mexican food with my mom. Mm -hmm. And my mom said, you're not going to eat your beans when they come out. So can I have them? Mm -hmm. I said, I'm going to eat my beans. <laughs> what? When did you start eating beans? When I met Aislinn. I said, Mom, there really isn't a vegetable that I won't eat mm -hmm. now. And I think that that's what happens a lot with adults is that we just carry it through because we didn't like, we don't like beans and everybody tells us, you don't like beans. And then all of a sudden you're like, wait, well, well maybe I like beans. I don't know. I could try beans again. So to her shock, probably I will eat Brussels sprouts. Mm-hmm. And I will eat turnips. Mm -hmm. And if you give me a salad that has all of the stuff in it, mm -hmm. I'll eat all of it. Even the brown lettuce, as Lily says. This I, lettuce tastes like brown. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think, though. There's got, let, me, let me answer the question. I want to answer it. So if I didn't have to eat a vegetable, and I'm having trouble. I know, me too. That's Co what I thought. Coming up with it. I had that same thought. Have you come then up with my something? Brain, then my brain started breaking down. Oh, well, that's not, a, that's actually not a vegetable. That's a grain. Because my thought was creamed corn, not fresh corn, but creamed corn. Okay. I never ate creamed corn again. I would be completely happy with that. Well, wheat, because I can't eat wheat anymore. It makes me very sick now, but that's grain. Mm -hmm. Like what is a vegetable? <laughs> anyway, so I start like digressing. Um, I don't have one either. I used to say olives, but I like olives now. And I used to say carrots, but I couldn't imagine living without carrots because I like carrots. They're beautiful. I don't love the way they taste and I don't like their texture, but I would not want to live without them. Oh, I don't like those scraggly radishes that are not really tasty. Like the little cherry radishes. But then if I say radishes and I'm like, but there's so many radishes that are delicious. That you do like. Yeah. French breakfast radishes dipped in butter and delicious fat Korean radishes made like potatoes. Sweet potatoes. Really? That's my answer. I've I'll got eat a them. whole lot of sweet potatoes coming out of the garden soon. That's why I can't <laughs> use it as an answer. A suit that doesn't fit anymore. Well, thank you so much for listening to another episode of Dinner Table Talks. We will be back next Monday with a fresh episode. In the meantime... Hit us up on social media, send us an email, DM us, whatever. We want to hear from you. And we hope that you're enjoying the episodes as much as we enjoy creating them for you. <laughs> <laughs>